Chapter 19 Seven Years Cold. Why was it so cold? Slowly, Link stirred. He struggled to regain some sense of clarity, as though lost amidst an endless veil of fog. He couldn't move his limbs. They felt odd, sluggish and heavy. What happened? It seemed like an eternity before his brain finally kicked in. He remembered pulling the Master Sword from the pedestal, but then Ganondorf had appeared, his eyes full of triumph. Peeling back the layers of cobwebs that filled his mind, Link shivered. Something terrible had happened. He opened his eyes, slowly breathing in and out as he beheld a dimly lit chamber. Something was digging painfully into his back and he realized it was his scabbard. He groaned, a headache pounding through his skull. The pain told him he was still alive. Had Ganondorf spared him? Was he a prisoner? Where was Navi? Was she alive? Had Ganondorf hurt her? The brief spasm of panic that seized him passed. He shook his head, trying to force his brain to work. Why did he feel so sluggish? Forcing himself to stay calm, he looked up at the windows that looked out into a pitch black sky. Thinking he was still in the Temple of Time, he pushed himself into a sitting position and turned his head towards the archway. Ixt was gone. In its place was a tall, iron-wrought door, complete with ornate carvings depicting medallions. That wasn't there before. Now he wasn't so sure he was still in the Temple of Time. It was either that or he'd taken a particularly bad fall. He surveyed the room again noting the pedestal was missing and that Navi, who was lying on the far side of the dais, was stirring. To his relief, she seemed unharmed. Link? She called, slowly picking herself up off the floor. Ouch. I haven't felt this stiff in... Navi caught his gaze. The concern etched on her features melted into confusion, then shock. Link! What? She stammered, her voice trembling. Link frowned. What's wrong? She pointed at him, her mouth open in shock. Navi, what is it? He asked, completely bewildered by her reaction. That was when he first noticed something odd. His voice was deeper. It was as though he had opened his mouth, yet someone else spoke. He grasped his throat, then brought his hands up to his eyes. Thick leather gauntlets covered them down to his forearms. What the? Never in his life had Link felt more unnerved than he did now. As he looked down, he realized that his deeper voice and gauntlets weren't the only changes to his appearance. His limbs were heavier and more muscular than when he'd pulled the Master Sword from its pedestal. The sensation that he was staring at the body of a complete stranger was as surreal as it was terrifying. No, he thought. This is not real. It's a dream. I'm imagining it. As his mind reeled with confusion, Link stood up. He was stiff and sore, but his confusion was so great that he barely noticed. What's happened to me? Trembling, he brought a hand down to his face, and his fingers brushed across the thin stubble along his chin. Then, he looked down at his torso. He was approximately the height of a Hylian adult. 
His lean and now muscular build added to the resemblance. No, 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 no. This isn't possible. I'm a Kokiri. Except, Kokiri were not five and a half feet tall. He screamed in horror, his cries echoing throughout the chamber. He wanted to wake up. Why couldn't he just wake up from this dream? Even his clothing was different. He still wore a forest green tunic and trousers, but they bore no sign of wear and tear. Underneath the tunic, he was garbed in a shirt of chainmail underneath, the metal rings glinting in the light of a nearby brazier. His kokiri sword, now belted to the side of his hip, resembled a dagger. Slowly, Link reached up and touched the soft fabric of his green hat, afraid he would find it missing. L Link, is that really you? Navi asked. Those words stung, cutting deep into his heart. His own fairy was not even sure who he was. It's me, Navi, Link replied, keeping his voice even to hide the hurt at her doubt. Who else do you know that wears a floppy green hat like this? His jest was meant to break the awkward confusion that hung between them. It didn't make him feel any better. Navi considered him for an instant, then zipped into the air and almost pelted him in the face. Her eyes drew a line down the scars across his cheek. Feeling a sudden urge to scratch them, he ran a finger down his skin. Sure enough, the lumpy scars stopped, just shy of his eye. It, it, it is you, but how? Navi struggled to make a coherent sentence, the shock still evident in her eyes. Of course it's me, Link said, even though his deeper voice was telling him otherwise. What is the last thing you remember? Navi was silent for a moment, the shock never wavering from her face. Navi? He implored her, hoping she could explain what was happening. It's hard to remember. Everything went white and then we were here. Ganondorf came too. He was right in front of you. I remember him slapping the Master Sword aside with his blade. Then he knocked you to the ground. I tried to stop him, but then something struck me. Link could not recall any of that. Feeling the weight of the Master Sword pressing against his back, he unslung the sheathed blade and held it in front of him. The sword's scabbard was intricately designed with blue leather, interlaid with bands of gold. As he inspected it, Link could feel no hum of magic from the blade. It seemed just as lifeless and cold as any ordinary sword. He clasped it back on, deciding he'd get no answers by just staring at it. Just then, the door behind him opened. Half expecting Ganondorf, Link spun around, drawing the Master Sword. The man striding into the hall wore long gold and brown robes. His face was wrinkled and haggard with age while his orange eyes twinkled with life. The moment he saw Link's drawn blade, he halted. It's alright, he said with a calming gesture. I mean you no harm. The man's voice sounded sincere. Deciding he was no immediate threat, Link relaxed and let his blade fall to his side. It is good to see you awake, Hero of Time. I am Raru. There was a familiarity in the man's voice Link couldn't quite place. Raru gestured towards the still-drawn Master Sword. I see you have already acquainted yourself with your blade. It suits you. The man's pleasantries did nothing to soothe Link's growing anger. He was certain that this man had something to do with the drastic change in his appearance. 
What have you done to me? He demanded angrily. Raru took a few more cautious steps towards the dais. Link's hand twitched. It was only a small gesture, but it was enough to warn the man not to come any closer. Raru took heed and halted. Something in the set of the man's jaw told Link that things weren't going the way he'd hoped they would. I know this must be confusing for you, Link, Raru said gently. But you must believe me. Confusing? Link roared, not giving Raru a chance to finish. He could not recall ever sounding as loud or fierce as he did now. Confusing? Is that all you can say? I'm a Kokiri. We're not supposed to age or grow up. Link desperately wanted to seize the old man by the shoulders and shake him. It took all his will to restrain himself. That sword. Link looked at the blade in his hand. Some of his fury began to melt away as he realized something. Neither he or Navi knew what would happen when he drew the Master Sword. Of all the possible scenarios he conjured in his head, including being killed by the sword, this was not one he'd envisioned. The sword did something to me. Link took a few deep breaths, bidding himself stay calm. Didn't it? Though Raru's silvery mustache twitched, he gave no other indication that Link's anger perturbed him. Instead, he looked sympathetic. What happened? And who are you exactly? Link asked. I am the Guardian of Light, a sage sworn to protect this realm. You once knew me as Kepora Gebora. Navi gasped. You're Kepora? But we thought, Kepora, you were dead. Raru bowed his head somberly. Kepora was but a disguise, one that I was quite proud of. After I had flown into the city, I attempted to return to my proper form. Alas, in my haste, I overestimated my strength, and the transformation did not go well. I reappeared as you see me now. Then what happened? Link asked. I made it to the temple, but to my dismay, you were gone. Link furrowed his brow, confused. Gone where? Here, to be exact. Raru rose his arms to gesture at the room. The Chamber of Sages. It is the central chamber of the Temple of Light, located at the very heart of the Sacred Realm. Raru's voice became graver as he spoke, and an icy chill swept down Link's spine as Raru chuckled ruefully. <laughs> well, it was the Sacred Realm. Alas, it isn't now. What do you mean, was? Navi asked. Her questions seemed to trouble Raru, as his expression darkened. Taking a moment to contemplate his answer, he drew a deep breath, and then spoke. When you drew the Master Sword, Ganondorf followed you, right into the Temple of Light itself. Raru met his gaze. In that brief pause, he seemed to age even further. He went on without pausing. After I retrieved the spiritual stones, I tried to stop Ganondorf. I was only successful in preventing him from killing you, thanks in part to the Master Sword. For a moment, I feared I was too late. What happened after that? Link asked. A part of him didn't want to know the answer. Ganondorf claimed the Triforce. In doing so, he spread a vile taint through the realm. This realm is the source of the flow of magic, and so that taint spread to Hyrule. Meaning? Link asked. He didn't like where this was going. 
Raru paused, drew another deep breath, and then said softly, When he returned to Hyrule, Ganondorf conquered it. Hyrule has fallen. Link didn't need Navi's horrified gasp to understand the gravity of what Raru had just told him. He could scarcely breathe. His limbs were jelly, trembling until they could barely support his weight. Hyrule has fallen. Those last words were like blades slicing through his heart. Fallen. All because of him. Link wanted nothing more than to lash out at Raru. If it hadn't been for the memory of Castletown's demise, he might have accused Raru of lying there and then. Laru spoke the truth, and Link knew it. It was like standing before the Great Deku Tree again, reliving the moment he discovered the Forest Guardian was going to die. Only this was worse. Far worse. He was too numb to cry, and there was no Saria to comfort him. Saria? Was she alive? Or had he failed her and the rest of the Kokiri too? Letting the Master Sword clatter to the ground, he fell to his knees, looking helplessly at his hands. No. What have I done? Raru's face was etched with concern. Link? He asked softly. I... I don't understand. Link blurted out, almost too dazed to form coherent speech. I... The last thing I remember was picking up the Master Sword and... Ganondorf's laughter. Why can't I remember anything after that? Raru sighed. Ganondorf almost killed you. With some help from the spirit in the Master Sword, I was able to banish him from the Sacred Realm. With the key on the inside, Raru gestured to the Master Sword. Ganondorf was unable to return and finish me. I still don't understand, Link said weakly. I don't remember any of this. It explained Navi's recollection of events. I erased your memory so that you would not remember. If you don't believe me, look at your chest. Link looked down beneath his clothing to reveal a long white scar down the left side of his chest. What did Ganondorf do to me? With the recent revelation of Hyrule's fate, Link wished Raru had just left him to die. What happened afterward? He asked. The Master Sword's spirit sealed you here. Since when does a sword have a spirit? Navi asked incredulously. Long ago, a spirit housed itself within the Blade of Evil's Bane, sacrificing its physical form. In doing so, it became trapped for eternity. Link felt Raru's eyes on him, but Link didn't meet the man's eyes. He was too busy coming to terms with the fact that Ganondorf had apparently conquered Hyrule. Some rational part of him doubted that Ganondorf could manage to do that within a few days. The thought left an icy feeling in his stomach, as he wondered how long he had been in the Sacred Realm. How long? Finding his voice, he felt a rush of anger but was too weak to shout again. He stood up so that he was level with Raru's face. Tell me! How long have I been here? I am sorry, Link, but there is no easy way to say this. Raru said calmly, unfazed as Link stared at him with a fire in his fierce blue eyes. How long? Link repeated. Seven years. Raru's voice was almost like a whisper upon the wind. Seven years. Link's ears rang. He swayed slightly, almost drunkenly, as his mind reeled at the words. He shut his eyes, 
clasping his hands to his face. Link, you must not despair. There is still hope for Hyrule, Raru told him. Hope. That word irked Link more than it should have, especially since Navi had been saying the same thing. What hope? He demanded, drawing his hands away from his eyes. You just told me I gave it to Ganondorf. It's not too late, Link. You can still defeat Ganondorf. It is always darkest before the dawn, but with the help of the other sages, you can help herald the morning, said Raru. What other sages? Link asked, far more quietly. The sages are reborn at the end of each age with the turning of time's wheel. The Temple of Time was built by the second sages after a great and terrible war killed most of their predecessors. They vowed never to let such a catastrophe occur again, and put measures in place to protect both the Sacred Realm and the Triforce. Hyrule's temples serve as founts that harness the flow from the Sacred Realm. It was, and remains, the duty of the sages to protect those temples. And exactly how do I find these sages? There is someone who can help you find them. I will use my power to send you back to the Temple of Time," Raru said, giving Link no time to digest the information. They will wait for you there. Who? Link began, his mind racing to catch up. A Sheikah by the name of Sheik, Raru replied. I must warn you, the Hyrule you were about to return to is not the realm you knew. Link swallowed a lump in his throat and nodded. He dreaded the moment he would find out exactly what Raru meant. If it is of any consolation, Link, Ganondorf acted earlier than anticipated. By cursing the Great Deku Tree and attempting to steal the Spiritual Stone, he forced you to begin your journey far earlier than was intended. It would appear he knew that the hero had been reborn. My guess is the creature within the Soul Mask, Ganon, told him. Knowing that if he waited too long, the hero would become a threat, Ganondorf made his move first. He was certain that would secure his hold on Hyrule. Only things did not go according to plan. Raru's words made it sound like he was a piece in a game that he did not understand. A puppet dancing upon the strings of an unseen puppeteer. What do you mean? He asked harshly. You survived, Raru replied. That means we still have a chance of setting the future on a better path. The Sheikah believed that was their duty once, to interpret dreams and to determine how one's actions might lead the world to a better future. I don't see what good that did them, Link said savagely. They wiped each other out, didn't they? Raru grimaced ever so slightly. Only because they chose to misuse their powers. There were some who sought to guide the world onto a path that would best serve only themselves. But that is not something to dwell upon now, and I doubt that Impa will thank me for telling you. Wait. Link realized something that he hadn't noticed before. It had been so completely obvious, how could he have not noticed? You were one of Impa's spies? I was, Raru affirmed with a twitch of his mustache. He directed his gaze to Navi. I'm surprised you didn't realize. Oh, I had my suspicions, Navi said pointedly. Nobody would suspect that an owl was spying on them. That was what I'd hoped, Raru said, 
with what was a note of pride. Are Impa and Zelda still alive? Link asked. I believe so, Raru answered, not elaborating. Now, before I send you back, there is something I must give you. Raru dug into a pocket of his long robes. He held out a long belt, or at least Link thought it was a belt. It was made of a bright, polished silver metal divided into six circles with chains linking them. All but one of the circles were empty. There was a single yellow medallion encrusted in the belt. What is that? Link asked, taking the belt in his hands. It is the belt of sages. Each ring on that belt holds one of the medallions borne by the sages. While you wear it, you can draw on our power. The other medallions can be found in the temples. He frowned as Link turned the belt in his hands, fascinated by its appearance. Promise me that you will be careful when using it. You must not try to channel any of the elements except light. What happens if I try and use any of the other elements? Link asked curiously. The taint will kill you, Raru answered, a little bluntly for Link's taste. Now go pick up the Master Sword, and I will send you back. Ashika is waiting for you in the temple. Do not leave until she meets you. Can't you come with us? Navi asked. Raru shook his head gravely. No, I cannot. I must remain to protect the Sacred Realm, and aid the other sages when you awaken them. How will I know who this Sheik is? With so much having gone wrong, Link wasn't eager to trust the first person he came across. He wasn't even entirely sure that he trusted Raru. What if he turned out to be some kind of deranged mage? Ask her to touch the Master Sword's hilt, Raru said, sounding pleased with Link's caution. Deciding that asking Raru if his sanity was still intact was a very bad idea, Link stooped to pick up his sword, and then straightened. He still felt stiff. Stand on the dais and I will send you back, Raru said. Link wasn't sure he understood. He watched as the man climbed off the dais, moved about halfway to the door, and then halted. Link stood in the center of the platform, feeling stupid. What am I supposed to do? He wondered. He was about to ask this when the entire platform glowed with a white light. Navi yelled in fright and flew into the air as the light intensified. Raru shouted something. It might have been some reassuring words, but Link could no longer hear. He could feel the soft thrum of whatever magic was enveloping him as it rippled through the air. For a moment, he was spinning. Then he opened his eyes to find himself standing back in the Temple of Time. Or rather, what was left of it. The stained glass windows were shattered, an icy breeze howling through their broken frames, revealing a sky bathed in dark storm clouds. A layer of ash and grime coated the once pristine walls, making their elaborate murals almost black. Of Sheik, there was no sign. Maybe she's late? Nobby suggested apprehensively. Raru said she wouldn't be far. Maybe, Link murmured. He turned from the dais and strode towards the central chamber of the Temple of Time. Glass crunched under his boots as he stepped down from the dais and into the main hall. Covered in soot, dust, and glass, it was in no better shape than the inner sanctum. The wooden doors on either side of the archway were gone, replaced by enormous mounds of rubble and stone. What bothered Link most was the silence. Aside from the breeze, his breathing, 
and the crunch of glass beneath his boots, there was not so much as a whisper of life in or outside the temple. Seven years. Has it really been that long? Link hesitated, dreading what he would find beyond those iron-wrought doors at the far end of the hall. It did not feel like that long ago since he and Navi had been running for their lives through the streets of Castletown. Maybe we should wait for Sheik, Navi suggested shakily. She had sheltered on his shoulder, trembling ever so slightly. He'd rarely seen her do that, and that unsettled him even more. No, he decided. This place is giving me the creeps. Let's get out of here. We don't know how long Sheik will be, and we can't stay here forever. Navi gave a small noise of affirmation. I can sense dark magic close by. It's stronger than the curses I sensed in the Baronade Orgoma, she said. Link drew his sword, half expecting something to come charging through the temple doors. Any idea what it is? Link asked. No, Navi replied. I guess there is only one way to find out. Link gritted his teeth. That exact line of thinking had gotten him into trouble before. Knowing that didn't make him feel any better. He finally came to the door of the Temple of Time. Taking a deep breath, he opened them slowly, fearing to make the slightest noise. When he stepped outside, total desolation awaited him. Link had seen what fire could do to a building before. Never did he imagine the same fate befalling an entire city. Before him lay a charred wasteland, a blackened mess of scorched brick, mortar and timber. Here and there, chimneys rose into the sky like burned trees. An icy wind, rank with decay, whipped across his face, and Link was sure he might freeze to the spot if he stayed here too long. Link, it's... Navi stammered in a feeble whisper. It's horrible. Link stared wordlessly at the scene, unable to think of anything to say. The bitter wind howled in mournful agony, and Link longed to get away. A layer of ash now clung to his boots, turning the brown leather gray. Atop the hill where Hyrule Castle stood, a tall black monolith stretched high into the sky. Spiky protrusions decorating the edges of each of the tower's three tiers, giving it a sinister and uninviting appearance. The crumbling remains of Hyrule Castle's wall remained. Most of it had collapsed, but the tall archway of the gate still stood. Link could almost picture the road, leading to the Silver Mare, thronged with street vendors and performers. There was none of that now. All of it was gone, as gone as the castle that once stood atop the hill. For centuries, Hyrule Castle had stood as a proud testament to the realm it governed over. Now, like those people who once called Hyrule home, it was gone. Every record of Hyrule's history stored within those walls, had been erased. All because of a plan that went horribly wrong. Link wondered what had become of the rest of Hyrule, of his home. Still, in the back of his mind, a small voice blamed him for the destruction that lay before him. Despite Link's efforts to block it out, the voice only became more determined. Some hero. Did Raru really call you the hero of time? Link laughed nervously at that thought. Navi gave him an odd look. She opened her mouth to say something before thinking twice about it. Instead, she let the heavy silence fall between them. Link tried to tell himself 
that the ruined city was not his fault. It had already been under siege well before he and Navi had reached the Temple of Time. Link shook his head. Focus, he thought. Find a way back to the woods. Find out what's happening there. He hoped that Saria and the others were all right. Why hadn't Raru thought to tell him more? We should go, Link, before- Something nearby moaned. It was a pitiful cry, like the moan of a dying beast. Then he saw it. A tall figure that stood in the shadow of a nearby building. It looked human enough, but its tormented animal noise made the hair on the back of Link's neck stand on end. Something wasn't right. Hey, who's there? He called out. He stepped down the stone stairs, away from the Temple of Time, not realizing that Navi was not following. Link, wait! I don't think that's- A deafening wail cut through the air. The figure turned, and as he looked into its face, Link felt an invisible force freeze him in place. Every muscle in his body refused to obey his commands to run. The beast moved into the dim light. It was little more than a hulk of gaunt, pale, rotting flesh. Link stared into the eyeless pits of its skull, wanting more than anything to scream. No sound came out. He couldn't move his jaw. The creature opened its maw, revealing a row of yellowing teeth as it approached. Around him, more figures were stirring from the ground. Another scream cut through the air, followed by a third, and then a fourth. Navi quickly darted in front of Link, and for a split second, the first creature was distracted. It clawed at the fairy flying in its face, but its limbs were slow, and Navi dodged its repeated attempts to swipe her. Once the creature broke eye contact, Link was able to move. Run, Link! It's a redead! Navi screamed. Don't look it in the eyes! What's left of them? Link scrambled up the ash-laden path. He could hear more moans now as even more creatures emerged from the ruins. Some were only small. Navi zipped after him, while Link kept his face down, desperate to avoid eye contact with the moaning creatures lumbering through the debris. Their screams followed him as he stepped into what had once been the southern market. The only recognizable feature was the remains of the fountain. No water cascaded into that dry and cracked basin now. Link, I think we set off a trap! There's Stealthos appearing everywhere! Navi yelled, flying higher up into the air to get a better look. She was right. More creatures were emerging from the ruins now. Amongst them were the same skeletal creatures Link had seen when Castletown burned. He realized he had no shield either, as he instinctively went to retrieve it from behind him. As one of the Stealthos charged, he swung the Master Sword, striking off the bones of the creature's shield arm. The Stealthos leaped at him, and Link's sword connected with its own with a reverberating crash of steel. His next swing took the creature's head off. Link grabbed its fallen shield and bashed a second Stelphos in the face with it. His sword swirled through the air again, lopping through the neck of another Stelphos. It was then he noticed some of the Stelphos were wearing the armor of Hylian guards, though any resemblance to the men they once were was long gone. The thought that these things were once people filled Link with revulsion and he hacked away with renewed vigor. An arrow struck his shield. He killed one of the reanimated guards, only to realize the skeletons were reassembling themselves once he slew them. Once they regained all their missing bones, the amber glow in their eye sockets returned, and the undead guards lunged at him. 
Some grabbed weapons. One even attempted to snatch a bone from a fallen undead. I can't win this, Link thought, desperately looking for an escape. By now, the creatures had surrounded him, and more blood-chilling screams rent through the darkness. More redeads. There had to be a way out. Try using the medallion, Navi yelled, flying above the battling skeletons who were entirely focused on Link and so far ignoring her. How? I've never used light magic before. Link spun around to behead several more Stelphos. One thrust a spear into his shield, slamming it into the frame and forcing Link to drop it. He slipped. A Stelphos slammed its shield into his head. His cheek struck stone and lights danced in front of his eyes. The Stelphos took aim, raising its sword. Then, bang. A bright light stabbed his vision. Link cursed and rolled to avoid the Stelphos, only when he looked up. The Stelphos was nothing more than a pile of smoldering bones. There was another crackling bang, and a second blast of lightning flashed across Link's periphery. It struck a nearby redead, and the creature burst into flames. A blade came within inches of Link's throat. He knocked his attacker back, and reached out with his mind to the elements of Hyrule's magic. He could only sense one of them, the elements of light. The medallion on his belt grew warm as he channeled its power. Link twirled the blade in an arc. The Master Sword glowed, a light gleaming in the darkness. He came out of his spin and braced himself. He'd only managed to take out two Stelphos, followed by a third which parted ways with its head. Link exchanged a flurry of blows with a fourth skeleton, and Sacred Steel met Bone with an unpleasant crunch. Link spared a glimpse back at the fallen Stelphos, expecting them to rise up and attack him. Only, they never stirred. The light magic stopped them from being reanimated. He was tiring quickly, his flourishes becoming clumsy and wide. His limbs had not weakened in his seven-year sleep, but he still could not take on an entire army of Stelphos. I have to run. So he did, running towards the still-standing wall at the southern end of town, striking down any Stelphos that came near him. The Redead had surrounded the central square, their voices crooning in unison. I'm going to die here. Another plume of light struck through their ranks, and Link spotted a tall figure at the far end of the square. Hero of time! The woman had her arms raised high, sending blast after blast of light magic crashing into the undead. She was dressed in blue garbs. Link recognized the white sash upon her front with an emblem of a weeping eye. The symbol of the Sheikah. What Link found unusual was the assortment of white bandages the woman wore over her clothing and head. Aside from a tuft of blonde hair, only her eyes peered out from underneath her clothes. Sheik, he thought. Just as she killed the last of the undead surrounding them, she called out. Run, hero! Towards the bridge! I'll be right behind you! Not bothering to chastise Sheik for calling him hero, Link looked behind to see not a few Stelphos charging behind him, but an entire sea of the skeletons, some clattering their swords against shields in an ungodly racket. Link, you heard her, run! Navi yelled, flying over to his side. Another spell crashed into the Stelphos nearest Link, shattering its legs. The rest of the creature crawled along the ground in a pathetic attempt to chase after him. Link turned to deflect another blow, pushing away a sword that went scraping off his shield, barely missing his midriff. He turned to run, and yelped when he realized the legless Stelphos had him by the ankle. Its white bony hands 
clawed into his flesh, leaving bloody rivulets. With a yell of pain and a frantic kick, Link shook it off. He turned and distinctly heard the angry Stelphos yell, Come back here and I'll bite your legs off! Sprinting faster than he had ever run in his life, Link bolted towards the archway leading out of town. Suddenly, there was an odd sensation, like somebody had just punched him hard in the arm. Then there was a terrible pain. He could literally feel flesh tearing as he clutched his arm and tried not to stumble. Still running despite the pain, he chanced to look at the bloodied arrow shaft, now sticking into his arm. It hadn't punched all the way through, but blood still ran thickly down the length of his injured limb. He hadn't heard Navi's cry, but Sheik did. She found Link's attacker and sent a bolt of lightning flying in their direction. She missed. The lightning struck the stone near the archer whose next shot went wide. The next arc of lightning didn't miss. Clenching his teeth in agony, Link went to pull the arrow out. Not sure he could do so without fainting, but the pain was too blinding to fight properly. Stop! Don't pull it! The warning in Navi's voice made him hesitate. Navi called Sheik for help, and the woman whistled to someone behind Link's sight. Then she ran to his side, just as a shrill neigh rose above the ghoulish cries of the dead. Link's gaze turned to the drawbridge, or rather where it had been. A stone bridge now stood in its place, and a white mare was thundering across it. She galloped towards her master, crushing a smaller Stelphos that got in its way. Link struggled to remain standing as the horse stopped and then quickly trotted towards him. Get on, Sheik urged him. She turned to shoot a blast of lightning at several Stelphos as they charged towards her. Link would have obeyed, but he was getting dizzy. His arm was burning as though a fire was spreading through his veins. He felt weak as he clutched the horse's bridle, hoping she wouldn't bite. He almost sagged as he reached the mare's saddle. Poisoned, he realized. He shouldn't have run, not that there had been much choice. Link! Navi yelled. He did not reply immediately. His head was spinning as the burning pain lanced further along his arm and into his chest. The arrow, he gasped, wincing at the pain. Navi, I think it's poisoned. He should have felt alarmed, but the venom was also pumping through his body, and he felt too spent to do anything. What? He heard the disbelief in Navi's voice. Then she saw his face. Oh no! Link did not notice several other riders approaching. The world swam around him. Sheik, I thought you said you were sneaking, not rousing an entire bloody army. What happened? There's no time for that now. The voice was Sheik's. Toru, help me get him onto Silver. His vision was incoherent, and he almost fell. If the mayor hadn't been keeping still so he could stand, he would have fallen. He was losing consciousness, again. Sheik grabbed his good arm. Hang on, kid. This is going to hurt. That was Link's only warning. Somebody grabbed his injured arm and snapped the shaft of the arrow. The pain was blinding, and he hardly noticed as someone got him onto the back of Sheik's horse. Sheik swung herself into the horse's saddle next. Then, she quickly dug her heels into the horse's side, and it broke into a gallop, leaving the desolate ruins of Castletown behind.